The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. Hello and welcome to the final Best Of compilation podcast brought to you by me, Miles Jupp. I'm sat on an empty stage in an empty nightclub here at the Gilded Balloon with my feet up on the desk as the production team tidy up around me and indeed from underneath me. We've had a lovely three weeks. We've just finished recording our last show. Uh, It'll be online very soon. It was emotional. This week, we've had some truly phenomenal guests, uh, some amazing stand-ups, some wonderful sketches, and a couple of pretty weird songs. First up, some stand-up. Richard Herring gave us a taste of his show, Hitler Moustache. I warn you, some people might be offended, although you shouldn't be. So, uh, I never believed them uh, when they said, you get more right-wing as you get older. Uh, So, uh, I'm doing this show uh, this year in Edinburgh, as we've discussed, called Hitler Moustache, in which I'm trying to reclaim the toothbrush moustache, as it should be called, for comedy. Because Charlie Chaplin had it first, then Hitler came along, kind of ruined it for everyone. It was probably the worst thing he ever did. Uh, this used to be quite a popular moustache, but now the only place you'll see this in the 21st century is carved into the pubic hair of a naughty lady. <laughs> Robert Mugabe's got a little one as well. Uh, I think it's fair to say, though, the only place you'll see this moustache is on a cunt. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the bloke from Sparks is the exception that proves the rule. So I just wanted to find out uh, <laughs> if it was possible to reclaim this moustache, whether it was wise to try and reclaim this moustache. And what would happen to me if I went around the streets of Britain with this on my face? Because this is real. Uh, There's a real moustache on my face. Uh, It's a a, a 24-7. It's a big commitment to make to make quite a glib point. But uh, it's just fascinating to me that this moustache is on the face of arguably the funniest man of the 20th century and arguably the most evil man of the 20th century. I mean, I'm not talking about Blakey from On the Buses (laughs) and Mr. Bronson from Grange Hill. Hitler and Chaplin both had this same moustache. How can it be funny on one face and terrifying on another? Is this the point where comedy and evil meet? Is it the subtle knife between those two universes? Might I slip either way with this on my face? Uh, uh, what if Hitler and Chaplin had ever kissed? Would, would the universe have been destroyed by that dichotomy? Or, or would they have just stuck together like Velcro? Uh, it's hard. <laughs> It's hard to know, but you know, I don't think they're opposites, comedy and evil. I think they're two hands in the same glove. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities between they're, they're both kind of uh, between comedians and fascist dictators. I think they're both arrogant, quite opinionated, quite selfish, insecure, a little bit insane. Mussolini would have been a brilliant stand-up comedian if he'd chosen to go that way. And there's a, a lot of stand-up comedians who would make excellent fascist dictators. Now, naming no names, Stuart Lee. So. Um, <laughs> I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not the only... Ladies, you'll be surprised to hear this. I'm not the only man in this room who has sported the toothbrush moustache. In fact, I'd go as far as saying that every single man in this room who is capable of growing a beard and has at any point had to try and shave it off will have... He won't have told you about it, but what... What men do in the privacy of their own bathroom when it comes to... They'll try out a few different styles. So they, so they, they might shave down, have a little Peter Sutcliffe beard. It doesn't mean they want to hammer women over the head. It's just a little style. They do a Mexican bandit moustache. So the last thing every single man will do, he'll go down to the toothbrush moustache, do a little Sikh hile at himself <laughs> in the mirror, laugh about how amusing he has just been, then quickly shave off before anyone sees So. 
I did all that except I kept the moustache on, so who's the person you should be really worrying about? The man proudly wearing this moustache out on the street or the man surreptitiously having it uh, in clandestine circumstances. I know who I'm more scared of, uh, and he's sitting right next to you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was worried about being seen as racist. You know, it's kind of interesting. I was worried about offending people. Uh, but I'm not one of these uh, women-hating uh, sexist comedians. That's, you, can, you can relax, ladies. I am a, I'm a big fan of women. I love women. I'm not a sexist. I've actually got a friend who's a woman, so uh, I can't... <laughs> I can't be sexist. Uh, I believe women should be treated as if they're equal. That is my... <laughs> that's my strong belief. And uh, I hope you come and see the show. You can relax, because I, I am definitely... Uh, you can, you'll enjoy it. I'm definitely the best stand-up comedian you will ever see, so you don't have to just come along. You'll really enjoy it. I don't know the meaning of the word hubris, uh, which... <laughs> Which is a shame, because straight after this, I'm taking part in a define the meaning of the word hubris competition. I'm not bothered, though. I think I'm definitely going to win anyway. <laughs> Some people think it's a mistake there to end with a joke that depends on the audience knowing the definition of quite an obscure word. It's quite... <laughs> quite hubristic to put that one in at the close. I assume that the Guardian readers might get that there. A lot, a lot more stupid than you'd imagine. <laughs> you listening at home. But uh, I have to say, I, I, maybe a cock joke would have been better to end on, but I, but I, am, I am my own worst critic, uh, though my self-criticism is mediocre at best. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I have Brian Logan to come and see the show. Just makes shit up. So uh, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> see you another time. Cheers. Uh, Richard. Delete the Banjacks are a right old ragged bunch of youngsters. They came down and sang us this lovely little song. I went in for a lamp, just one lamp, only one in a lamp, an angle poise lamp, but I came out with 59 different items and some meatballs. And I took it to my car, but it wouldn't off it So I had to get a cab, which cost me 50 quid There was only one problem when I got back I hadn't realised that it was all flat-packed IKEA IKEA My name is Shelley, I'm 16 years old I don't like people, I don't do what I'm told I work in IKEA on the weekends I use all the money to get twatted with my friends Excuse me, have you got any angle poise lamps at all? I know nothing about chairs, nothing about doors, nothing about beds, nothing about floors. You're looking at me like I know what to do with them shelves. Do you know what? You gotta do it yourself. Akira! You do it yourself, you gotta do it yourself, you gotta do it yourself. Akira! You do it yourself, you gotta do it yourself, you gotta do it yourself. Ah, to the K, to the E, to the hay Me and my girl went out the other day To buy some shit from Ikea They said nice to see her I went in for a lamp and I left with a cheer And another 50 items When I got back I attacked a stack of CD racks That's a fact Called up my dad to ask for some help Turned back around, the bitch had built it herself Ikea! Three minutes is all it took her It's embarrassing for a man Ikea! I'm starting to think blokes in the 21st century Will be completely redundant 
So I'm sitting on the floor, instructions on my knee It tells me attach the A to the B With the hinges on the G and a screw in the P In order to do this I'm gonna need an Allen key So I went straight back after Wembley I asked the boy lady what you give me I wanted a Billy but you gave me a Benny I said I wanted a Billy but you gave me a Benny I said I wanted a Billy but you gave me a Benny I said I wanted a Billy but you gave me a Benny I said I wanted a Billy but you gave me a Benny What am I gonna do with a mother effing Benny? Bleak the Banjax there, quite clearly not the Carpenters. More stand-up now. Here's Jarlath Regan, followed by the full, unedited set from Nick Doody. Hold on to your hats for that one. My name is uh, Jarlath Regan. I haven't obviously worked as a stand-up all my life. Uh, for the past seven years, I uh, was working as the IT help desk for my parents. Uh, so, some other people in, in this role. Yeah, I never applied for the job. I never submitted a CV. I never saw the ad go up on the fridge. Uh, but as far as my parents were concerned, I was waiting by the phone with a headset on, ready to deal with whatever bullshit queries they had about anything plugged in in our house. And it usually was the video cassette recorder. And these, these yeah, this, this thing blows their minds. And it, these calls would go on for 45 minutes and would come at any hour of the day or night. I'll give you an abridged version of the kind of rubbish I was dealing with when my father would ring me uh, to ask about the video cassette recorder. This is me on my end of the phone, any hour of the day or night, my dad calling me about the video cassette recorder. <laughs> yeah, 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 got that. But dad, da, dad, da, 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 okay, yeah, j, da, 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 yeah, okay, yeah, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, just check for me, check for me, check for me that it's turned on. I'm not actually being like anything. I'm not being like anything. I, uh, I, uh, I'm just, I'm just saying that that's happened in the past. Oh, okay, okay, well if it's turned on, if it's turned on, press zero. Zero, zero. And the TV remote control. It's the smaller of the two. There's not a lot in it, there's not a lot in it, but it is the smaller uh, of the two remote controls currently in our house. Zero, Dad, zero, come on, come on. It's underneath the number eight. I don't know why they put it there. I don't know why they put it there. That's the tip of the iceberg. That is the tip of the iceberg. Those calls annoyed me for many, many years until the day my father sent me the first photo message he'd ever sent in his entire life. At that moment, I realized I had no right to get angry at this man for asking me questions about the modern world. He sent me the first photo message he'd ever sent. He had never sent a text before. So when my phone buzzed and it said, photo message from dad, my first reaction was, oh shit. My dad's phone has been stolen. Because there's no way. What he had sent me, there was a way, what he had sent me was the most adorable photo message that had ever been sent in the history of the world. What he had sent me was a photo of a whiteboard with some writing on it that read, haven't quite figured out how to text on this phone just yet. Okay, that's uh, the other job I used to work in was uh, I used to work in graphic design. Before I was a comedian, I worked in graphic design. My job there was to sell the junk the company produced, which, uh, as it turned out, was one of the reasons why they let me go. It's one of the, I was referring to the products of some junk the company produced. The uh, other reason was these bad boys here. These are uh, the greeting cards uh, that, I, that I make, uh, that I started to produce. They're basically greeting cards for situations that modern greeting card companies aren't currently catering for. Now, the audience here can obviously see what I'm holding up now. Uh, but it is, in effect, the first 
will you marry me card ever available in the world. And that, that surprised me as much as I'm sure it surprised you. There are no will you marry me cards available in the world today. And there isn't a woman in this room who wouldn't like to be proposed to through the means of a 250 piece of cardboard. Uh, so this one just reads on the outside, will you marry me? On the inside it reads, only mess and I think we should see other people. Is, uh, no, if she, if she can't take a joke, she's not the one. Uh, this is uh, the first uh, stalker Valentine's card there. Uh, you can see the stalker in the bushes with his binoculars. And on the outside of the card, it reads, we have so much in common. You like the Beatles, I like the Beatles. I have a large knife collection. You're gonna die. Just, uh... This one's quite a niche market and uh, it hasn't actually sold too many, uh, surprisingly. It says, child abduction is never funny. And on... And on the inside it reads, except when it's a practical joke, your child can be found at, and there's a space where you can fill in the address there. That's quite nice. This one's uh, part of the Christmas range, it's the old classic. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, and there's the child with mistletoe and Santa Claus. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, and the inside it reads, and then he appeared to pee in her mouth. Uh, this is uh, the only get well, card, get well soon card in the range. Uh, uh, I'm sure we all have somebody who, who we know needs to receive this card. It says, I heard you were complaining about feeling unwell, so I got you these pills. They're called extra strength shut the fuck up tablets. <laughs> this is the Father's Day card. It's obviously only for one particular family. It says, you're the best dad ever. But what would I know? I grew up in a cellar. <laughs> so we got him, we got him, it's okay. Uh, and this, believe it or not, these cards do exist. Uh, they do exist. I sell them through my website, jigzer.com, and they're actually coming out in a book called How to Break Bad News this September, published by Random House. Wink. Uh, this, is, um, the, this is the best-selling Christmas card of the range. There's a gentleman in bed asleep. It says, if you're dreaming of a white Christmas, you're like me, a racist. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Have a lovely afternoon. Jolliffe Regan! I am, I shouldn't be up. Uh, I am hungover on a level. It's not, not irresponsibly hungover, hungover because of news. Uh, but a week ago, my girlfriend and I found out that she's uh, pregnant. And uh, it was uh, huge. I mean, I don't know how you would react to that news, but we were just five-day bender. Uh, just <laughs> champagne and whiskey and, well, the shop's shut, beer. Oh, the shop's open again, champagne. Five days, I am just getting over it. And it didn't even work. We're going to have to get a proper abortion. Um... Uh, some of the lines I'm going to do are mainly due to a bet between myself and Miles. Um, <laughs> when, when you don't have kids, people who do have kids try to get you to have kids. I don't know if you've found it. Oh, try, come on, have kids. Yeah, give it a go. That's, that's never good, is it? Why not experience the thing I've experienced for no reason I'm going to share with you? It's never good. That's like, smell this. Well, it's not going to smell nice. Uh, just leave it. What they really mean is maybe you'd still fancier with droopier tits and a vagina like a punched lasagna. Well, maybe I would. Maybe I wouldn't. I'm going to leave it. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, <laughs> I couldn't raise a child in a, in, a, in, a, in a society like this, man. This country sucks. As the public, every time we are screwed over by a big group, we get angry at the wrong group. We've been screwed over massively, massively fucked over by two big groups in the last year or so. We've got the MPs with their expenses, right? Then we've got the bankers, the banks and the banking system. Now, the MPs and expenses, that's pretty annoying. 
But the banking system, that's enormous. I mean, this was hundreds of thousands of pounds over here. But the banking system, 500 billion just on the bailout. Never mind the bonuses. But somehow we're slightly more annoyed at the MPs because we can understand what they spent it on. Right? <laughs> Because I can't quite get my head around what a toxic asset is, right? I no, I don't really know what a subprime mortgage is, but I know what a bath plug is. <laughs> I'm not having 88 pence of my hard-earned taxpayer money spent. No, I don't know what recapitalization of markets is or why it... But you're wearing a tie. Sorry, you sound very plausible to have all my money. But I know what a duck is. And I know what an island is, and I can put those together and guess what a duck island probably is, and this toffee-nosed bastard isn't getting one on my watch. So, have all our money, no, no toilet seats for you. And, and it's weird, right, because I, if we should be more angry at the banks, but we're not, because it wasn't tangible. If they just spent something we could be angry on, do you know what I mean? Something that we could picture. If you switched on the news and went, today HSBC and the Royal Bank of Scotland announced that they finished building the gigantic middle finger on the moon. <laughs> that from now on, every night will just shine down on you, the public, so you can see just how much of a shit they give about you, the people. Thank you very much. But we didn't. And then here, with the MPs' expenses, right? Of the three major parties, arguably the worst offenders were the Tories, right? Now, they, they were home flipping with all of them, and there were, like, toilet seats and porn in some cases. But with the Tories, it was moats and shit. Proper, like, fuck you, the peasantry. I, I need a portcullis to keep the serfs out, right? And apparently we're going to vote them in next election. That is offensive to me, man. You know what I mean? Voting in the Tories as a reaction to the expenses scandal, to me, is like trying to get over being gang-raped by marrying the guy who stayed on the longest. <laughs> And Miles, you owe me fifteen pounds. And, uh, <laughs> I will say, right? I, I, I love doing this job, man. You get to do this with so many different kinds of audiences. I looked out and went, I'm going to say gang rape to those faces. Well, <laughs> I did some gigs in the, the French Alps recently in ski resorts, which that was unusual for me. Have you ever tried skiing? Anyone in the audience? A few, yeah, a murmur. It splits a room, that. You either get people who go, well, no, or people who go, yes, like it's a universal experience of all children. You know what I mean? Have you ever tried skiing? <laughs> but of course. <laughs> How did you get to school? <laughs> By bus, you freaks. It's quite a posh person's thing to do, skiing. You've got to admit that. Now, I see people don't now. People go, oh, no, no, it's not. No, it's nothing posh. No, people of all walks of life go skiing nowadays. No, they fucking don't. And you know that in your heart, right? If you're on a ski slope, somebody swooshes up to you in a big red jumpsuit and a mirrored visor. They are not relaxing after a day down the mines, right? You know that, right? You know there are certain accents you're not going to hear come out of that face. They're not going to spray to a halt, pull up the visor. Oh, they were fucking champion. That was brilliant, right? You're not going to hear that. Never going to hear that. Spray to a halt. Hey, Tracy, check out my fucking ski. It's a middle-classy, upper-classy thing to do. It's not a working-class sport. Not like boxing. Boxing's got that demographic because... I think it's bullshit, but there is that idea with boxing that doesn't matter where you're from, maybe if you're good enough at boxing, you can change your life around. No one ever left a broken home by yacht. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you take my point, right? You, you never hear anyone say, well, coxless pears was the only way out of the ghetto for me. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, broken home. 
why boxing makes good movies, man. It does. It's got that drama to it, like Million Dollar Baby or Rocky or Raging Bull. Rocky's the best one. It's got that classic rags to riches story. If you've never seen Rocky, it's a pretty simple story. It's a guy, he's born on the wrong side of the tracks. He's disabled from birth with an accent that no one can understand. <laughs> and, he, and he fights and he trains and he changes his life around, right? You could never have that about a middle-class sport. It just wouldn't work. It doesn't have the drama, you know? I remember the day I reached a fork in the road of my life and I had to choose. Crack or archery. <laughs> and yeah, that day I put down the pipe, picked up the bow, and my story began. <laughs> it was weird. What I didn't realize about a ski resort is that it's not a real town. I thought, oh, hooray, I'm going to a French village. No, you're not. You're going to an artificial town that the British have built in someone else's country so that we don't have to learn French. That's an amazing attitude. It's so arrogant if you think about that. Oh, yes, I'll use your Alps and I'll use your snow, but I'm not talking to you. And I'm not eating your food with its flavor. I want eggs, I want them fried, and I want them called eggs, not earth. I met a, guy, I met a French guy out there, told me he was from told me he was from Val d'Isère, right? Well, Val d'Isère is a ski resort. And I just went, no, you're not. He went, no, no, I'm from Val d'Isère, that's where I'm from. No, you're not. That's not a real town. That's like an English person telling you they're from Alton Towers. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's me, thanks a lot, cheers. Nick Doody! Nick Doody there, preceded by Jarlath Regan. You're listening to the best of week three from The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival with me, Miles Jupp. Time now for a bit of gentle musical comedy. Here is Tom Bastard. There's a ghost in my house, there's a ghost in my house But it's not that bad because he's usually out There's a ghost in my house, there's a ghost in my house But it's not that bad, he keeps himself to himself It's a little song about ghosts, uh, thank you. Thanks so much. Um, thank you. Um, always nice when it's just the producer clapping. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's a good song. I didn't have to give that away for people that are listening, but it's, uh, it's always, uh, always a good sign. Feel free to join in with him, don't they? Sort of leave <laughs> going out on a limb on his own there. Um, uh, th this, this song's a bit shorter. So, yeah. I've got a guide dog, I shouldn't have one. He doesn't know that. It's a bit, thank you, a bit shorter that one. Thank you. That's more like it, so yeah, exactly, that kind of... Uh, this, this song's sort of about, um... It's about feeling guilty, yeah. Well, it seems so bad But it feels so good Well, it seems so wrong, but it makes me feel so warm inside. And anyway, it's only hired. Weeing in my wetsuit, I'm weeing in my wetsuit, I'm weeing 
in my wetsuit Is it really such a crime? It's not like I won't give it a little rinse Before giving it back in an hour's time And everyone looks suspiciously at me The instructor guys make suspicious eyes at me I guess I should have waited Till I'd actually got in the scene Thank you, thanks so much I'll just leave you this little one That sort of nepotism from happening I was shocked to discover that there isn't one No, there isn't one It just goes to show It's not what you know And it is who you know It's not what you know And it is who you know It's not what you know and it is who you know it's not what you know except when you're on the show itself where it is what you know and it's not who you know and it is what you know and it's not who you know and it is what you know and it's not who you know and it is what you know Except when you phone a friend and then it is who you know And it's not what you know and it is who you know But for the remainder of the show It is, thank God What you know Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers. Baston. I could listen to him sing all day. William Andrews had a show called Nitwit, and this is uh, one of his sketches. It's about, it's about some shit. Hello, I'm William. I'm going to do a sketch. Let's hope that goes well. <coughs> so, um, we'd sat in, watched a bit of telly, like we do most nights. Um, I got up, got about as far as the door, um, when Morag, my wife, who you've not met, let out a sort of a noise. It was a yelp. It wasn't really a word, but it was enough for me to turn around. And that's when it happened. That's when the shit hit the fan, she started shouting, Owen! Owen, the shit's hit the fan, my name's not even Owen. But, but in moments of great stress, she'll use the name of her first husband. <laughs> Nothing a headlock can't cure, am I right, guys? So, 
I was about here, she's on the other side of the room, the coffee table's in the middle of the living room, that's where we keep our fan. The fan's there, the shit's come at it at about 45 degrees. It made one hell of a bang, like someone kicking a box. And so I was here and I reckon 94% of the shit just comes straight off. That's landed about here, but a good 6% of the shit has remained on the fan. Now 6% is an estimate, but however you break down the numbers, it's more shit than you'd like. That shit then starts to spread itself over the blades and then starts to describe an arc in our living room. Sort of a, sort of a copper spatter o over, the, over the carpet, up that wall, over the ceiling, down that wall, over our good sofa. In fact, the only part of the room that wasn't covered in shit was under the coffee table. And I'll be honest, it's part of the room we hardly use. <laughs> she starts shouting at me, turn the fucking thing off, turn the fucking thing off. I, I said, I'm going nowhere near it, you fat bitch, you fucking turn it off. She goes, no pencil dick, it's plugged in behind you. And she was absolutely right. All I had to do was lean down, turn it off at the wall, but by then, the damage is done, you know. One minute you're thinking about going to bed, then you've got to stay up and clean up all this shit. You become obsessed, it's gone in your mouth. You become obsessed, it's gone in your, you curl your lips up like a Labrador, you sort of like, you know, because you, you just do that. But the thing is, is that we got through a couple of bottles of Bombay mix and your, your tongue searches around your mouth, you discover a lump of mix, you know it's mix, but part of you thinks, is it shit? <laughs> Yeah, so we did that. In fact, we, we took all night cleaning it up. In fact, that, that white line across the ceiling we used to smoke gave up a couple of years ago, but that's where the nicotine's come off with the shit. <laughs> of the 6% of that shit, 1% is entirely more random. A couple of weeks later, I was getting a CD out of the tower. I found a lump on Il Devo. <laughs> I found quite a large chunk behind Sam's graduation photograph. I mean, ultimately, we're not sleeping. We're not sleeping because no matter how sure I think I am of where the shit has gone to, we're still no closer finding out where it came from. <laughs> William Andrews. This is the last bit. Uh, we're sorry to all the people we couldn't squeeze in, but go back and download all the ones you've missed, especially the one from the other day, the one where the guy said the... Um, <laughs> oh, there was a very funny thing he said about something. It was... Uh, I can't remember it, but it was. It was definitely hilarious. Here's Simon Munry, also in full. Then it's good old Barry Cryer and his good pal, Ronnie Golden, giving us a song about death. You can't say hello these days without inadvertently infringing Sainsbury's copyright. <laughs> it's 150 years they've been going in the supermarket. Four years ago, they come up with a brilliant idea as you walk in. Sainsbury's, hello. And you read the word hello, it goes off in your head, hello. You think, you think, oh, I'll say hello back. No, I can't say hello back. It's a supermarket. <laughs> I don't mind myself. I'm a, I'm a Sainsbury's fan. I like the atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> you know, and the singing. Sainsbury's, Sainsbury's Used to be a grocer Became somewhat grosser You say Tesco, I say No sir, Sainsbury's Sainsbury's boys, we are here Morrison, shit Oh, it's clean, it's fresh at Sainsbury's Apart from the petrol, obviously The orange and the brown The orange and the brown In the dead centre, on the edge of town Oi 
Sometimes, me and the other Sainsbury's fans, we get our Sainsbury's better T-shirts on and we go down Tesco, you know. <laughs> we don't buy anything, we just walk around the aisles tutting. <laughs> How much? Can you smell poo? <laughs> we have a laugh. <laughs> Advertising doesn't have to be true, does it? Just as a sound good. I think Tesco should use Tesco's, keeping prices pinned to the min and quality smacks right up the max. <laughs> that get the youth in? Or Tesco's hitting the farmers hard on your behalf. <laughs> And uh, Morrisons might like to make use of their large size, purported northern origins and low profit margins with the phrase, Morrisons using our clout to make nout. <laughs> that would be, be good. So I, I was walking down the road the other day. Which road? See, do my own heckles. Saves time. <laughs> Same road as ever. Think about it. All roads link up, don't they? Topologically, there's only one road. If you can imagine a road that isn't linked to any other roads, it's not a road, is it? It's a runway. <laughs> Walking down the road, couldn't help noticing how beautiful it was. It was raining, but everything was glistening. And I thought, the world is so beautiful, why would anyone in their right mind bother to take drugs? And then I remembered I was on drugs. <laughs> I tried to trace back my addictions, and I was thinking, what was my first addiction? I thought, of course, air. Uh, followed by milk, like a fool, I mixed them. <laughs> Next one after that, probably attention. I'm over that. <laughs> Telly, I went off the telly, don't, don't, don't watch the telly anymore. A lot, the news, the last hook it catches you with. I used to watch the news three times a day like a crack news addict looking for the little changes. I went off the news, an incident at the BBC a few years ago. One of the newsreaders, either Jan Leeming or Maura Stewart, I can't remember which one, got, this newsreader got caught up in a burglary and one of the burglars threw a moan in her face. Horrible incident. But what it meant was the next night, instead of reading the news, this newsreader was on the news as a news item herself being interviewed in a hospital bed. And this is when I began to doubt what is the news? Because during the interview, this newsreader said, I never realised there were such awful people in the world. <laughs> and I, I thought, you read the news. What do you think it was, a poem? <laughs> Cheery bye, thanks. Simon Munnery! Ah, thanks very much. Uh, we'd like to do a little protest song here. Most protest songs, of course, are written um, about trying to make life better. This one is, uh, is written about trying to make death better. That's right. I can feel the energy in the room. <laughs> this is about uh, a song, uh, an anthem to assisted suicide. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Dignitas. <laughs> this one is entitled, I Want to Be Unplugged. Thank you very <clears> much. <throat> Fed. My varicose veins plugged into the mains Starting me to thinking I'd be better off dead They're waking me up to give me sleeping pills My life is looking empty as a catheter fills I wanna be unplugged Don't wanna stay here for another day Put me in the hearse and drive me away I wanna be unplugged Unplugged The TV screen it flickers like a psychedelic strobe And it won't be here come sister and she's whipping off my robe Lying face down in a hospital gown 
As she lovingly administers a rectal probe I must have hit rock bottom Because I have to say That's the best thing that's happened to me all day I wanna be unplugged Don't wanna stay here for a minute more Get me off the bed and out of the door I wanna be unplugged Unplugged Play your harmonica, son I jolly well will dignity they took away my teeth they took away my trousers and the things that lie beneath terminally bored in the terminal ward they took away my flowers and replaced them with a wreath so take me to the graveyard before i lose the blood then take away my will to live and then you got the lot i wanna be unplugged don't wanna stay here for another day Put me in the hearse and drive me away I wanna be unplugged Separate me from my saline drip Get me out of here and into a skip I wanna be unplugged for listening. I'm Miles Jupp, and don't forget, there's still one more show to come. See you next time. Bye-bye. The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009.